Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I am intentionally encouraged when I see people doing business the right way. And for the last 15 years, Damon Burton and his team at SEO National have done just that. Now you might say, Brian, what can they do for me and my business? I'm going to tell you what they can do for you. They can help you understand search engine optimization. There are a lot of players out there in the marketplace, but you want a team of people that are going to be dedicated to working with you and helping you to understand search engine optimization and how you can show up higher on search engines so that you can bring more revenue into your business. Damon and his team are full of integrity, honesty, decency, and trust. And if that's important to you and that encourages you, I would encourage you to give them a call today at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get a free quote and tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Get ready for a dynamite conversation coming up right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Hey, I have got a dynamite guest on with me. And and again, you have seen Jason Fry on this podcast. You've seen my good buddy, Marsh Bice, on this podcast. And, And it seems like we all run in these circles. And so when you run in those circles, you want to get people inside the circle on the podcast. And it's awesome to have Charles Schultz with me today. Charles is an author. He's a speaker. But he, what, what really drew me to Charles, and we're going to talk about that in, in this first part of our conversation, is he he has a, a company called The Edge of Greatness. So if you go to edge of great, theedgeofgreatnessproject.com, you'll find all his resources there. And I, I promise you, by the time we get done with this conversation, a lot of you are going to run to theedgeofgreatnessproject.com. And figure out how you can get Charles to speak to your team, how you can get in touch with him, and things like that. But what an honor to have Charles Schultz with me on the Intentional Courage Podcast. What's good, my man? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, this is awesome. I love coming on these shows. I love getting a chance to share my story. And uh, I, I've listened to your podcast a few times, and I really like the way you, you host and, and carry on the conversation. So I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, man. Well, here's the thing. And I've said this before, people do not want to witness interrogations. They want to be a part of a conversation. And so let's start there. You and I were talking before we got started. Um, You live up in the Columbus area. I I live down here in West Virginia, but I know that area so well. It is beyond a, for for having one professional, here's what, what I would say about Columbus, Ohio. It has a an NHL team, the Columbus Blue Jackets. But the professional team in Columbus, Ohio, has been, is, and always will be the Ohio State Buckeyes. The <laughs> Ohio State Buckeyes. And so let's start there. When you think when you think about greatness, everybody wants to say, well. You know, Ohio State's got great athletes, or the the Blue Jackets have great athletes, or or the. But but if you could kind of take a look from the outside looking in at what you do and what they do, what's the thing that stands out to you either about the Jackets or the Buckeyes that you can say, this is what makes them great? Is it coaching? Is it athletic? Is it athletes? Because, and forgive me for the long-winded answer to start this to start our conversation, Charles, but people could say, well, you can't have great 
you can't have great teams without great athletes. Or they'll say, we can't have great teams without great coaching. And I would say, listen, great coaches have terrible seasons. And you can have all the great players in the world and not have a great season. But to you, as you look at those franchises, and I, and yes, I'll put the Buckeyes in there because, I mean, it's a $100 million a year revenue generating uh, franchise onto itself. What makes those two franchises great? No, that's an interesting question because I think a lot of times you're right. People look at the the athletes that they get and the the number of five-star recruits and all this, but at the end of the day, I, I honestly believe that the greatness comes down to the culture they build, the expectations they have, the standards they hold. And what makes Ohio State in particular special is they have an expectation of excellence that is always upheld. They're, they're, they're always searching for that next level of, of greatness and, a, and of achievement. And it's not just getting wins. It's not just a, oh, we won the Big Ten. That's good enough. Yeah. And even if they win a national title, it's that's great. Let's celebrate. Now let's go do it again. And and this this constant striving for more and this constant striving for excellence and the little things they do on a day in day out basis is what carries success forward each and every year. It's 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 a combination of things and I agree. You need you need talent. No team can sustain success long-term at the highest level without talent. You need coaching. But without the combination of all that coming together with a culture, with an expectation, with standards, with all of those little things that matter and doing it right every single day and wanting more, you're eventually going to fade. You're going to fall off because you can't tell me some of these other schools don't get great athletes. Yes. There's there's great athletes everywhere. Yeah, it, It's more than that. It's, it's how do you develop those athletes? How do you teach those athletes? What type of leadership skills are you instilling? And, and what ownership are they taking in that success each and every year? And, and I think that's a big part of it. Well, you know, here's the thing, and I'll say this. A lot of times, and, and we look at college athletics, and I love what you said about doing the little things, okay? Because it used to be years ago, and I've been watching college football for 40 years. I'll turn 50 here next week as we record this. So I've been watching college football for 40 years. What what team what, what what these elite programs like Ohio State like LSU like Alabama like like you know, the school up north I'll just I'll just say that I I want to be respectful to my <laughs> guest here we'll say the school up north um, you know a lot of these a lot of these elite programs Georgia who just won the national championship in football Charles what they've done in the last several years is you're right the little things they've said hey our facilities need to be better. You know, our players, do, we need to have a separate dorm for the players that's, that is that rivals anything anywhere else. They, they've hired chefs. And not only they've hired, they've not only hired executive chefs, but they have an army of chefs that focus on nutrition just for the football players, just for the, for, for the athletics and things like that. And, you know, Gene Smith, who's the athletic director at Ohio State, has been in, on the forefront of a lot of this stuff because – Again, as you, and I love the way you said that. It, it, it's the little things of, okay, yeah, Ohio Stadium, 105,000 plus, the horseshoe. It's it's iconic. But but what used to draw kids, you could say, hey, you're going to get a play in the horseshoe, and we're going to get a play on national TV. Now that's not enough to attract great talent. So let's translate that to the business world. 
What are some things that businesses can start to do as you work with teams, as you work with people and things like that? What are some of the little things that can take a person or a team from that from that level of here's we've always had this level of success, but now we're going to get to this. We want to get to this level of success. What are some of those little things that you see that take that person from good to great? Yeah, I, I definitely think greatness is in the details. It's in the it's in the little things. And some of those little things that a business can start to focus on is that understanding as a unit what their responsibilities are. I think that's a big part of it. I think a lot of teams, whether you're in the business world or in the sports world, get lost in what's my job? What do you want me to do? Where are my responsibilities? How can I take what you want and then have ownership over it? And that that, that ownership piece in a business setting, I think is crucial because a lot of times- Let me jump in there. Yeah. I love what you're saying there, okay? And, and, and the responsibility of a unit. So I want to use this example if I can. Mm -hmm. And yeah. forgive me for jumping in there, but you, you've sparked something. I'm a Bengals fan, and Joe Burrow was at Ohio State for, for the first three years of his college career. And, and he did an interview with Drew Brees last, but right before the Super Bowl. And he was talking about, he said, man, I just wanted to get on the field. I didn't care if I had to play special teams or whatever. And I just, I wanted to get on the field. I went to lobby coach Meyer, Urban Meyer, who was the head coach then. I went to lobby coach Combs, who I guess was part of the special teams. And they told him no. Because, to your point, Charles, they wanted him to stay dialed in as a quarterback. If we put you on the field, you're, your mind's going to be split. If you're playing special teams, now you got to go to a special teams meeting. Now you've got to do this and that. And you know, there may come a time we have to put you in the game when guys go down, even though there's a couple guys ahead of you. Like I remember years ago at Marshall, we had two quarterbacks go down in the same game and we had to throw we had to throw a true freshman in there, a guy named Chad Pennington. Got a lot of people have heard of. But he was a true freshman, but he was the third string quarterback. First stringer went down, second stringer went down, and it, it, it was his up. And when you said that, that's immediately what I thought about because Burrow said, he's like, man, I didn't like it at the time, but it fueled me to want to, to, to just keep working hard and things like that. Why do people sometimes not understand how important the responsibilities of a unit are? Is it that we get so, is it we get sidetracked by all the other things around us? Or is it like, well, I can do more and I want to do more? What what do you see that, that takes people away from the responsibilities of a unit? I, I think a lot of it comes down to the leadership of the team. So whether you're a manager of an organization or you're a coach of a team, making sure that the people who aren't constantly in front understand that the value they bring has an impact to the success of the team. Too many in my profession with working with young athletes, too many young kids want to be the star. The, the problem with wanting to be the star is there's only one. You can't, not everybody on the team is the star. There's one star and then there's a bunch of players who help facilitate the success of that star.
Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is, one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise, but if that doesn't work, I've got another way for you. It's my friend Joe Hart's program called Products for Profit. Joe's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourage podcast and told his story about how learning retail arbitrage changed his life, and he's been helping thousands of people change theirs. Now, retail arbitrage is simply this. It's taking a product and buying it and then reselling it online for a higher price, and you keep the profits. And guess what? Amazon and Walmart use third-party resellers every day to fulfill their customer orders. I want you to go to productsforprofit.com or productsforprofit.carrd.co. Get connected to Joe's team. Tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast and start making money today with Products for Profit. And now let's get back to more great conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Now, in an organization, you may have one person who's going to present the plan. They're the star in that instance. Doesn't mean that your contributions weren't important and they didn't make have an impact on the success of that presentation. But yeah. I think that's the leadership piece that's missing a lot of times is in today's society, we all want to be in front of the camera. We, we like the shiny object, the Instagram, Twitter. We see that shiny object, right? Everyone shows their best self. I want to be that. Well, there's a lot of stuff that leads to that. And, yeah. and the leadership piece needs to tie in the understanding of you're not always going to start as a freshman. Yeah. You're not always going to play in the big game in your first year at the job. You can't start with the six-figure salary in most cases. You've got to work from the bottom up. I hear it all the time with my kids that they're like, well, if they paid me more, I'd do more. I was like, that's backwards. Do more so they want to pay you more. Show them what you can bring to the table and make it impossible for them not to want you. And, and that's the mix up that I see a lot of times that causes all these problems is that you have this belief that I deserve this X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter what it is. I deserve this. Well, you can earn that, but you don't deserve that. That's a, that's a, that's a reward. Well, Charles, it's amazing what happens when, when, with what comes with, with being the star. Mm -hmm. because everybody looks and they'll say, well, man, you know, the star gets this and the star gets that. The star gets, you know what else the star gets? The star gets entitlement, mm -hmm. gets an entitlement attitude and spirit. And then when adversity comes or they get injured or something like that, and it's like, okay, next, I, I was talking to a guy last week who played college football at the one double a level, probably 20 years ago. And he was telling me, he said, Brian, I got hurt, and he said, I found out real quickly I wasn't as important as I thought I was because when you're hurt, you might as well, you, you, you know, the old, the old saying, you're dead to me. You know, Kevin O'Leary uses that on Shark Tank, you're dead to me. He said, I found that out in, in reality, playing college football. Th those two years I was hurt, I was dead to the coaching staff because I couldn't help. I couldn't, I couldn't contribute. And a lot of times when people rise so high, and something happens and adversity brings them down, they think, okay, well, I'm the star. Well, you were the star, but somebody else took your place because we needed somebody to step up. And I love what you said there. Do more so you can get paid more. Those opportunities for people to rise up and, and to step in there are, are the opportunities where, where greatness, I believe, is really made. When you, when you were talking about coaching young athletes, so let's go there for just a second. 
So we, we can talk to parents and things like that. I, I My son played high school sports. I watched it. Now those days are over for me, and I, I kind of look back fondly. But when, when you look at that, what's one thing that, that young people don't understand that they need to have to achieve greatness? I'm, I'm going to go with this one. I think there's many things, but I think if you're looking at one thing and where to start, failure is going to be part of your life if you want to be great at something. And I think a lot of young people, they shy away from doing things that they don't know they can do well. And that part right there limits your growth. And so when I look at my young athletes and I look at what I'm trying to do to them, I'm trying to put them in their out of their comfort zone. I'm trying to put them to the limits of their po- their abilities. Something where I know if they really do a good job, they can succeed, but there's a there's a chance that they might fail. That's what I try to do as a coach. I want you to be on that ledge where you might not succeed in this task, but that's where you learn. That's where you get better. That's where you overcome obstacles. And too many kids, in my opinion today, they can't fail. They don't do well when they get out. I mean, just go watch a youth baseball game and watch how many kids either throw their helmets or slam their bat if they strike out. Yeah. Right? That That's a common thing. But guess what? You're If you're going to play this game, especially baseball, you're going to strike out a lot. You're going to fail a lot. The best in the business fails 70% of the time. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the big ticket for me is that the people who end up being great they don't have anything different than me and you. They've just failed more than me and you and figured out ways to succeed. That's my personal belief. I, I think that if you fail enough, eventually you'll figure it out. But you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And you have to do it in a way that you learn from it each and every time. So that way you're not repeating failures. You're, yeah. you're using those to grow. Well. It feels to me like, Charles, and I love what you're saying there, because it feels to me like we, we're coddling people more today than we ever have. And here's what I said. I was I, I, I flipped open my ESPN app this morning, and my my the team that I've grown up following my entire life, the Cincinnati Reds, they are they're not good this year. And they, they played the Marlins last night as we record this. And the Marlins pitcher threw a complete game. And it was his third complete game of the season. Now, when I grew up watching baseball, starting pitchers were expected to go nine innings. They were expected to start. you know, And, and so growing up playing baseball and being a pitcher through high school, that was always the mentality is we start, we finish what we start. But now we, we're coddling so many athletes we say well they're on a pitch count well you know it's training camp and so you know i've got to give this guy a day off a scheduled day off we didn't used to do that years ago and guys were okay we still had hall of famers we still had i watched a documentary on nolan ryan the other night nolan ryan pitched 27 seasons in the major leagues that's why he's got the all-time strikeout record. That's why he's got the all-time no-hit record. He's got 51 Major League Baseball records. And finally, his arm gave out. But my point is, nobody coddled him. Nobody said, oh, man, you threw 300 and 
50 innings this year, you know, might want to ease that off a little bit. They didn't do that back then. But we still had Hall of Famers. We still had great players. We still had guys that overcame injuries and things like that. Why have we is it is it because talent is worth more today than it's ever been? Is that why we're coddling athletes and coddling people like we are? I want to really dive into that for just a minute, Charles, because you really you, you said something there that really tweaked that thinking in my brain of, okay, but 30 years ago, we didn't coddle athletes like this, even even at the high school and college level. Where's that shift coming from? And, 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 and how do we kind of get back to an attitude of, hey, man, you got to go through some stuff to get where you want to get to? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's an interesting thought because – I'm kind of on both sides of the fence in this one for two reasons. So I do think we coddle kids too much. I think we we play to the fact that you should always succeed and then you're going to win and this all this calling softness and you can't tell them that you're doing it everybody wrong. Everybody gets a trophy. Right, everybody gets a trophy. That part I agree with. Now, on the back side of that, I think some of the sports science has caught up to the point where we are helping some athletes – by reducing the volume of throwing. And I don't know if it's necessarily maybe... So here's the other interesting piece to this. How many people back when we were younger played multiple sports versus today only play one? Yeah. Good. This is where the pitch count comes in. Because if you're pitching in the fall, you're pitching in the winter, you're pitching in the spring, you're pitching in the summer. Well, yeah, we should probably take a, take a back seat every now and then and not throw so much. I played only in the summer until I was in high school. And then I did some fall stuff, yeah. but I played the sport of the season. I think that allows you to go harder because you know, you got a break coming up. Now these kids go straight from spring high school season into summer travel season, into fall recruitment season, into the winter workouts. And it's all year round. So maybe that's part of the coddling of the, the pitch count piece. Yeah. But I do think that, we offer up way too many rewards and accolades and achievement-based things for things that weren't achieved. Oh, okay. Let's, so let's so let's go there for a second. And and forgive me for jumping into that, but but man, you're really you're really digging there, and I love it. I love where you're taking this. Couldn't we say that about teams in business? Couldn't we say that about we're recognizing things we didn't used to recognize because we want everybody to feel good? about their stature in the company or things like that. Let's let's go there. But I also wanted to, to dive in a little bit harder on what you said too is the season, staying in, in that season because there's a business correlation to that because we now have specialists. It's like, okay, well, this person can do one thing and this person can do something else instead of being – instead of being – cross-trained through a through a myriad of things inside the organization to where hey you know what if if this person can't do it this person can step in and we don't miss a beat right have we have we have we lost some of that functionality that you you talk about in the business world as well too as you as you work with teams and things like that are you starting to see some of that and i don't want to lead that question there but I love the way you just kind of transitioned us there naturally, Charles. Yeah, I think we have some 
what's the best way to describe this? Some, some toughness issues, not just in sports, but in life. And the, the toughness piece and the mental toughness aspect when it comes to business allows for us to work through the struggles that are happening in the business setting. And I think that, that oftentimes when we look at a business team, we have this expectation of I'm going to get rewarded for my efforts, whether the job gets done the way it's supposed to or not. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. And oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Well, I worked hard. Well, that's not enough. Did you do the job well? Did it get the sale? Did it do what we asked you to? Because just because you put in the hours and you did the work, that doesn't mean you did what was asked. And I think that a lot of times we look at these kids and we look at these, these young adults that are going into the business world and they've never, again, it comes back to the failure. You've never been told you're doing it wrong. So the first time somebody says, hey, that's not what I asked you to do, they're like, why are you yelling at me? I don't understand. Why are you being so mean? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not being mean. I'm asking you to do this job. And you're doing that job very well, but that's not what I asked you to do. And, and there's that disconnect between doing the job right and just doing work. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's a big part of why you see the coddling filtering into this environment at work where, well, I have to, I have to tread softly here because I can't hurt Jimmy's feelings because Jimmy's going to be upset if I say, look, I expect more out of you. I don't know why that's a bad thing. Why can't we expect more out of people and, and, and ask them to do more and ask them to be on time for work and ask them to, you know, Hey, your job's not done. Let's stick a little bit longer today and finish this job. And it's, it's a weird dynamic because I, I do think that there's a level of positive leadership that needs to be in place. Yeah. You need to build relationships with the people you work with. You need to show them you care. You need to, to build a family type environment. I do believe that. I think that that's a very important piece. I think if we can do that well, you can ask more out of your team. You can ask more out of your employees. And so if you can build a strong family-based, hey, I love you, man. I appreciate your efforts. Today, yeah. I need you to do these things. And last time I asked you to do that, you did this wrong. So let's do that better. And if you do it right, I think we can get more out of people. I, I don't think people are afraid of hard work. I just don't think we've, we've taught them what hard work really looks like early off, early on. Yeah. We get through school. Oh, I didn't get my homework done this time. Can I do it later? Yeah, sure. No, go ahead. 
uh, I didn't do well on this test. Can we do a retake or a, uh, we'll, we'll do an answer thing after when you'll get 50% points of the points you missed. Like I hear that all the time from my kids. We're like, well, I failed, but we're doing another thing on Friday where I can get the points back. I go, wait, what? You can get the points back. You, you don't know the content that was being asked of you, but you can get more points for what? We're, we're giving them ways to fail without failing and they're not getting any better. Man, that is here I love where you're where you're going. This is so good because here's the thing. Okay, and and while you were talking, the thought the couple of thoughts came to my mind. What you just said was, well, if we fail, we can get the points back. If we use a sports analogy there, so every time the quarterback throws an interception, the the defense has more pressure on it. So, if the quarterback says, "Ah, I threw a pick. No worries. Defense will get the ball back for me." But you just put more. If you throw a pick at the at your own five yard line, you really put the defense behind the eight ball. Like they are going to have to have a monumental stand to keep any points off the board. And you, I love your point about about not doing. You know, you do it. You did something well, but that's not what we asked you to do. Again, my mind went to the quarterback that gets the play called in. And he looks at the defense and he goes, check, check, check. We're going to run another play. And he does that every play. At some point, the head coach is going to go, dude, I know you can't be seeing. We've got it. We've got an offensive coordinator up in the booth, or we've got somebody up in the booth that's looking at the field. They're looking at the all 22. I know you're reading it from the field, but you got to trust us that the play we send in is a play that's that's going to work here. We we talked about this. We've got a script. We we've got a, 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 a you know we've got and most NFL teams do even you know NFL teams they have a they have a play script that they'll go hey man the first ten plays of the game here's what we like here's what we run we went over this you said you liked it and it would be like Joe Burrow going ah forget this man I I see this I'm going to audible that'll work two or three times and Zach Taylor will probably say hey I trust you. If you're audible in the whole game, you know, at some point he's probably going to go, you want to call this game or, you you know, do you, I'll just go up in the stands and, and have a hot dog or something if you feel like you can call this game better. I love what you said there. How do you get kids to reverse that thinking and kind of trust the process or trust the program? Because, again, it's almost kind of like they're out thinking the room. I hope I asked that question correctly, Charles. I hope I set that up correctly. Well, I want to dig into one thing real quick that you mentioned that yeah. about the quarterback throwing an interception and putting the defense behind the eight ball. What we're teaching kids today is that the quarterback can throw an interception and we're going to give you another play. So that interception doesn't happen. That's what yeah. we're doing now is that if you fail a test, you can go to the teacher and be like, oh, I need to make some points up. Can we do it again? And and a lot of these teachers, especially where I'm at, they're, they're given another opportunity. They're, they're going back and doing it again. So what are we teaching that kid is that there's no accountability for what we do. And the accountability piece, in my opinion, is going to be the standard of which we live our lives. And if we can't hold ourselves accountable for the mistakes we make, then we're not learning from those mistakes. We're going to continue to repeat them. And eventually when you get to the real world, those mistakes have consequences. And then when those consequences come in, they're like, well, that's not fair. Well, no, you should have been taught that when you speed, you get a ticket. When you break the law, you go to jail. When you don't show up to work on time, you get fired. Oh, but it was a lot of traffic today. We'll leave earlier. Yeah. These are, this is your responsibility. You or have to somebody's take, better than you. Yeah. And you get cut, you know, if you're an NFL yes, player, you, you didn't do cut. your job. Yeah. You didn't do your job. 
own that, get better, take accountability, take ownership. And, and I think that's a really big piece that I, that I wish we would do better with is holding the standard higher, keeping people and kids, especially accountable for their actions. Don't give them the easy way out. And, and when it comes back to like the NFL teams and the organizations and doing what's asked of them, when you know that there's a consequence for doing something wrong, you tend to follow instructions a little better. Yeah. You know, if, if dad says, Hey, if you don't take out the trash, you can't go out this weekend. And then you don't take out the trash and you can still go out this weekend. Do you think you're ever going to follow instructions? But if you don't take out the trash and dad goes, yeah, guess what? You're not going out this week and you're not going out next weekend. Cause I know you heard me. I guarantee they take out the trash next week. Yeah. Those are the things that I think matter. I think those are the things that set the tone for growing and getting better and developing and changing over time into a much stronger and purpose-filled society. Well, and, and let me finish with this. And, and I love where, you, where you're taking us to is that every professional athlete that is represented by their union their union collectively bargains for those discipline policies that are in place. We've seen the Deshaun Watson situation, other guys that have gotten suspended. And it's like, well, how did I get suspended? Well, you violated the policy, and here's the, the punishment that the commissioner decided to, to lend down for it. You may not agree with it, but... When you signed that contract, you said, I will abide by these policies of the NFL. And when you don't, there's consequences to it. And I love that. And it's the same in business. It's the same for teams. It's the same for, for everybody. And I love what you said there, Charles. We've removed the accountability at a younger age. And we've said, ah, it's all right. You know, and life, you're, you're hundred percent correct. Life does not give you a do-over. In the last couple of minutes, I want you to share some professional intentional encouragement with somebody. Maybe somebody is managing a team and they say, hey, how do I, how do I get, you know, what's a piece of encouragement for me that I can help my team get better today? Uh, I just feel like you've got something there to share that, that, that is really going to help somebody today. Yeah, as, as, a, as a leader, it's hard because I think it takes time to develop leadership skills. It's not something you just walk into and know from day one, you're going to make some mistakes. And I think the encouraging piece as a leader is if you're willing to learn and own your shortcomings, you'll earn the respect of your unit, your team, the people you're leading. I, I had a, a leadership opportunity before I was ready and I failed miserably because I tried to take control of everything. It was, it was my first time in a leadership position and I, and I lost the personality that made me a natural leader and became a tyrant and it was awful and I hated it and I was miserable and I was just an angry, <laughs> bitter human. And that's obviously not who I am. If you've known me at all, if you've seen me do things, I, that's not me, but it's because I didn't understand that leadership is about the team. It's not about me. It's about giving all of the people that work for me a better opportunity to succeed and letting them know, look, I'm human. There's going to be times where I'm going to make mistakes, but there's never going to be a time where I will not work harder to get better and help you succeed. And I think if you have that mindset 
and you believe in the people around you and you give them opportunities and you let them fail and you own and work through those problems, you can get better over time at that leadership position and it's going to give you a team that wants to fight for you, a team that wants to win for you, with you, and it becomes a much more cohesive unit. Yeah, very, very, very well said. Charles, let folks know how they can find you as they listen to this part of the podcast. How can folks find you, connect with you? Just let folks know how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, the best the best way to get a hold of me is uh, www.theedgeofgreatnessproject.com. I have everything up on there, my my blog, my podcast, my books. Um, that's all there. I'm doing an event in September that is the Edge of Greatness Summit that I'm really excited about. That's on there. And it does have all my social media contacts and my email. So that, that would be the spot that I would recommend. Just go there. You can check out everything that I've been doing and what I'm up to. Go to the Edge of Greatness Project. Dot com, the edge of greatness project.com. Charles, man, fantastic conversation. I so appreciate you joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.